Today, uh, I want to talk about abortion. Was not on my scheduled preaching plan. But because Proposal 3 is coming up in our election on November 8th, I'll talk a little bit about it, not a whole lot, but I felt like as a pastor, I must say something about abortion because we have a confused generation of what life is and what it isn't. We're confused about um, reproductive rights. This this Proposal 3 is, is being called a... Um, Reproductive freedom. It's uh, called a common sense uh, amendment, or called you know we're being told, which is a lie, but we're being told that you know this this kind of just gets us back to a Roe v. Wade, and that is not true. It's extreme, and uh, I want to talk about abortion because it is not a political issue. But it has political implications. So that's why I want to talk about this this morning. And I want to share something I heard my pastor say a couple weeks ago as he was talking about this. Because uh, it made sense. You know, I, I feel like a hundred years from now, if our nation ever repents, like Germany had to, we will see pro-choice is the wrong side of this issue. And uh, if we repent, I feel like our nation is at a tipping point. We are either going to repent and have revival or we're going down a very dark path. How I know this is because Malachi chapter 4 tells us that when we do not value children, there is a curse upon the land. Uh, I've not thought of a lot of stories I'm going to hit hard, but I, and, I, and then I'm, at the end, I'm going to minister because I know in the room right now, and I don't want anyone to feel shame. There, there are men who've convinced women to have abortions. There are women in the room, you've, you've had to go through that trauma. I have ministered to women who have gone through abortion, so I'm not standing up here in ignorance. It's been said to me uh, when I've talked about this before, well, you're a man, you're a white male, and and, you know, at first I thought, well, maybe there's some truth to that. But at the end of the day, I do have influence. And I do have experience with ministering to women and, and talking people through this. And uh, you're not the one watching a woman weep. Uh, so if you judge that, that's on you, not on me. But I'm going to say what I'm going to say today because I love you. Not be not because I have political views and I'm some, you know, radical conservative. I've never endorsed a candidate. This is not an endorsing thing. And some people who vote differently than me have accused me of, like, being, because abortion for me is the one thing. Like, I do sometimes vote a one-issue thing. If you do not value life, you can't value all the others. Please don't talk to me about women's rights. Please don't talk to me about social justice or racial issues because if we don't value life first, then none of that even matters. So I'm not ashamed to say what I'm going to say. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of God's word, and I live my life by God's word. But 150 years ago, 
when our nation was in a civil war over freeing black people from slavery, there were Christians who didn't speak up. They said, blacks are not human beings and therefore has no constitutional rights. Now, if you research history, you will see that the 13th Amendment, that was the argument. Are you saying these people have rights? Yes, because they are made in the image of God. Christians wouldn't own slaves, but others, it's their own freedom and choice. Who am I to get involved in politics? I personally wouldn't do that. They also said, if we free the black man, it would cause an economic hardship on black people if we freed them. They literally would say it's better for them. These are the same three things being said today about abortion. Fetuses are not humans and therefore has no constitutional rights. I, would, I wouldn't have an abortion personally, but who am I? I just think it should be safe, should be legal and rare. Uh, we need abortion because it would cause economic disaster for poorer people. I don't understand how we think this way. I don't understand God-fearing, Bible-believing. I, I get it if you're not a Christian because of the, the narrative we're being told. You know, we've been told, follow the science in 2020. We, people have lost jobs. People have lost their businesses. People have, I mean... The economic disaster, the recession we're in is because of COVID. And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, I think it's hypocrisy to tell us to follow the science on that when only, th only is the wrong word, uh, when 300 plus thousand died of COVID, but almost a million babies that same year. 2020, the scariest place wasn't being around other people. Who had COVID, it was being in the womb. So this bill, the lie is it returns us Roe v. Wade's a common sense law. I have read it, just so you know, you're gonna get an abbreviated version on the proposal on November 8th. It's 90 some words or uh it's a 300 word I've read it several times. And the read it before I read like commentaries on it or started kind of digging in the research, and it was blowing my mind, even when I was even coming to the conclusion that attorneys in Michigan are coming to, like, wow, this would mean that. There are 12 articles in our state constitution. This literally impacts eight of them, according to attorneys. But just so you know, abortion... Now, pro-choice and advocates of Proposal 3 are saying, no, that's not in there. It's not what it's specifically saying. It's what it is not saying. And the broadness of it is very confusing. Abortion at any time in pregnancy for any reason. Children to undergo abortion without a parent's consent. Even if you're pro-choice, I would think this would bother you. If you have a child, you have a 14-year-old daughter who gets pregnant, they don't tell you. I think even if you're pro-choice, you would say, oh, I would want to talk to my daughter about that. That's just me, if I was pro-choice. 
sterilizing transgender procedures without a parent's consent, elimination of the state's partial birth abortion ban and late-term abortion ban eliminates that. Um, any, anyone to perform an abortion, it doesn't say physicians. Uh, even, even those without a medical license. There's no age limit in this, in this proposal. Abortion provides ab abortion providers to be shielded from consequences for injuring or killing a woman. Uh, elimination of all current health and safety regulations on abortion. These are big, big things to talk about. But I get it. I want to talk to you because the truth is this would be one of the most radical abortion laws ever. So politically, my view on abortion is not the Bible. It's science. But my view of the value of life comes from the word of God. So I asked the worship team, hey, I need more time. And I know worship's most people's favorite part. But because of this issue, I want to talk about this. I don't just want to tell you to vote no. I want to tell you why you should not vote yes for Proposal 3. Um, I want to talk about a biblical view of life. Seven things, so pray for me. We're going to start with the scripture, Psalms 139. For you created my inmost being. This is David talking to the Lord. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Now, you may be here, and your worldview might not come from the Bible. That's why I was saying, like, even if you're pro-choice, you, sh you should read the implications that attorneys are saying that this has behind not only our state constitution, but... I do have a biblical worldview on what life is. So the first thing I want you to know about a biblical view of life is, number one, God is the designer behind all humans. All human life, and it starts in the womb. Again, right now in America, the most dangerous place for any person is not that you get in a car and get in a car accident. It's not that you're going to crash in an airplane. It's not that you're going to catch some virus from somebody. It's the womb. If you are a human, the most dangerous place to be right now is in a womb where we are aborting almost a million babies, uh, conservatively at least 62 million in the last 40 years have died. To give you an idea of what that means, if you were to combine Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, and Wisconsin still doesn't hit that number of the population that we have in those states. It's dangerous to be in the womb right now. Science. There are some scientific reasons. Politically, 
If we determine death is when the heart stops, scientifically, then my opinion is scientifically that's when life starts. God says it starts before that. But just in a sign, follow the science, that's what I would say. The conception from birth and what we just read, he said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. So nothing's been developed yet. But let's talk about the science. At conception, all human chromosomes, DNA, are present. Your hair colors determine, your genders determine, fingerprints, all at conception. Week three, the child has its own heartbeat and blood. By week five and six, the, the baby starts having eyes, legs, hands, mouth, lips, fingernails are forming. Week eight, there are bone, bones starting to form. The child begins to hear. By week 12, three months into the pregnancy, the baby has nerves, a spinal cord, vocal cords, and can suck its thumb. By week 20 and 22, and this is the time where they start saying, like, if you have a premature baby, this baby with, with help from science can, can live. It's, it's capable of feeling pain. If you've ever watched a video of a baby being bored, and you can watch these, it's, they actually try to avoid the needle or the things grabbing it. They know what you're doing without even having words to say. They're capable of pain. At this point, if, a, if, a, if you decide to abort a child, it is feeling pain. Week 24, the child can, sur can survive outside the womb. Week 5 and 6, the baby can grab, can have hiccups, and is at least 12 inches long. By month 7, 8, 9, it's just growing. It's opening and closing its eyes. It's using all five senses. They are sleeping and waking inside the room. Everything a human being can do, this is taking place in the womb, and they can relate to the moods of their mother. So there is even a sense of emotion a child is feeling inside the womb. So from conception, the moment you're conceived, all the way into adulthood, you are continuing a progressive development scientifically. Number two, Ecclesiastes 11.5 says this, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb, so look at this. God gives us our soul, our spirit in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So again, scripture is very clear. This is a God thing. God is making, creating life, not us. Number two, children actually have a spiritual identity and a calling from God inside the womb. Inside the womb. Jeremiah, John the Baptist, and Paul, all three of them, uh, said they were called by God in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5, Galatians 1.15, Luke 1.44. John the Baptist was sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the very presence of God. He could encounter God's presence in the womb. You remember when Mary walks in with Jesus in her room, he leapt for joy. This tells me that, you, that in the womb, children are encountering the presence of God. Some expecting mothers probably have come to church and during worship or like have felt the child move in their womb. They are encountering the presence of God in the womb. Exodus 21, 20. Let me just say this, by the way. I had to, I had to dial it back from 20-some scriptures. I, I, there are so many scriptures that just say life is in the womb. Life is in the womb. Uh, 
this one, Exodus 21. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, there's, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. Verse 23, but if there is serious injury, you take life for life. What is this telling us? Number three, a child in the womb has full legal rights in the eyes of God. Now, I believe constitutionally, especially if there's a heartbeat, scientifically, that is a person in the womb, and they have constitutional American rights in the womb. The same way God did in Exodus 21. Politically, does a fetus have constitutional rights? Is the fetus a person? By the way, this was one of the main arguments for the 13th Amendment when we were trying to abolish slavery. Does a black man have rights? Yes. And a child does too. James Robinson, I've had the privilege of talking to him. If you don't know him, he has a ministry called Life Outreach. He's the, one of the people we partner with to build wells in Africa. He's one of the people where we get shoes. We purchase shoes for children in different countries of Africa who don't have shoes. We buy shoes for them. So I've had several phone calls over the last couple of two or three years. But James was a product of rape. And his mother, and he, and he I personally have personally heard him share this story, plus read articles of different interviews as he's written books. Uh, his mother decided to keep him. And he was adopted out, and his life was actually terrible. He was in and out of the adopted parents. Some pastors found out this young child was pregnant. He, she had, he had a teenage mom. She, she finds out she's pregnant. They adopt him. And when he becomes five years old, the mother says he wants him back. They think, you know, that, that's good. So he was in and out of, like, his mother, who is very poor, in poverty. And he said it was extreme. And, you know, felt like he didn't know when he was five years old that that wasn't his real parent. So he leaves this loving home, goes to his, his birth mother, and he's kind of in and out. But these pastors lead him to the Lord. But he would argue, and he gets very offensive about it, gets very passionate about it. He says, why do you think I didn't have the right to live because my father raped my mother? I am a human. And listen, what he has done for the world by building wells, it... I mean, thousands of well, I mean, thousands and th tens of thousands of people are drinking clean water in parts of the world where they have no access because James lived. Young people who are walking miles to get food out of the dump with no shoes and dying because of the diseases coming through their feet. He has eradicated like this disease in these young people's life. And, and then his, who knows what his ministry has done. And, and if, we go by what our culture is saying, that his life isn't valued because he's been raped, the mother, because he's a byproduct of rape. He said, doesn't determine. I would agree with that. And let me just say this. You look at the research. If a woman, and by the way, the abortion for rape is like less than 1%. 
It's not really. That's one of the things that gets thrown at us if you have a if you have a biblical view of this. Well, like what about rape? And you kind of feel like, oh yeah, you know that would be that. It is traumatic. I'm not dismissing that. I'm not minimizing that. God, uh, you know, breaks my heart when Emily Clot shares a story like she shares. Like I, I feel that like empathy in the midst of all that. But it's actually double trauma for the woman. One, it doesn't actually get rid of the rape. And now she has a double trauma because the shame that that has brought upon her is, like, look at the research. They, you actually produce two traumas if a woman has a child that way. So a child has full legal rights, and James is certainly glad his mom did not abort him. Another one is Pam Stencil. Had the privilege of meeting Pam Stencil, probably like 98, 90. It's been a long time. I don't know her personally, but I did watch her video on YouTube this week because I'm like, I wonder if she's still, and she's still an advocate. Same thing. She grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but she was a byproduct of her father raping her mother. And, and now she goes around the world essentially just preaching. Preaching is the wrong word, but she speaks publicly in schools helps people pull out a suicide, helps people um, abstain from sex, helps young people understand the consequence of prematurely entering into sexual intimacy. I mean, she is making impact in our nation in massive ways. It's her, she said the same thing. They, every, every person who's alive who's been a product of that has said, why does my life not count because of the way I was conceived? And I just want to say, your life does count. No matter how we're conceived. Well, what if they're poor? James Robinson grew up poor, but at least he got the opportunity to climb out of it. That's one of the things. Well, you know, there's a lot of poverty. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a minute. You probably won't like what I say. But <laughs> Exodus 1 I, had a talk, I was talking to a pastor yesterday. I was going to rabbit trail. We were talking about these issues. There's six states in our nation right now that on November 8th, they're going to somehow either alter their constitution or, or uh, potentially vote in radical abortion laws. And, uh, and he, he, he said, he didn't say this to me personally, but he said, I would not be that strong. And I said, that's the problem. We've lost strong voices. I'm not mad let me just say this. I'm not mad at anybody. And I'm going to get to that because there's a spirit behind all of this. And it's not people. It's a spirit influencing people. I'm getting ahead of myself. Exodus 1.15. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, When you are helping a Hebrew woman during childbirth on delivery on the delivery stool, if you see the baby as a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God. Now, this word fear doesn't mean to be terrified by. In the, in the Hebrew, it means they, they're standing in awe of someone or something to the point that it actually produces a wise or healthy outcome. They feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt, Egypt represents government authority, told them to do they let the boys live. Number four, God's people, if we fear God, 
God's people are to be committed to helping babies being born, not killed. I mean, you may have not seen abortion as murder, but it is. And I know that sounds really strong, sounds offensive. We like the word abortion, it's softer. Murder is the killing of an innocent life. That's what murder is. They, you, it's not the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for a life. It is, you didn't deserve to die, but I decided you did. And that is murder. Pastor Mike, am I a murderer? I had abortion. No, because you've been lied to. And I do think, was miscarriage and abortion. So, you know, some of the things are being that, that are for proposal three is like, well, what does this do for women who have miscarriages? They won't be able. Look, no, that's not an abortion. That's a miscarriage. Uh, God determines who lives and dies, not government, not your physician, not science, not people. God does. We don't get to determine who lives and dies. Jeremiah 7.30. I want you to, we're going to get into the spirit of this now. The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. I just think when I read this, Personally, I think as a follower of Jesus, how is the house of the Lord not speaking up about this? They have built high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hanan to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Now, we don't burn babies, but we do give a pill and kill them chemically. Or we put them on the altar of a table and take their life. Look at what God says. Something I did not command. Look at this. Nor did it enter my mind. You know, God is all knowing. So this verse radically messes with my theology. How does an all-knowing God not know? Because he is not evil. And evil does not enter his mind. He, he, the, abortion. Like this is a human thing we have come up with. And, and we've relabeled, we, we want to use the word fetus in a clump of cells because it softens that this is a human being in the womb. And God says, we are sacrificing our children and it's never entered his mind. Number five, abortion is not the mind of God. If you are thinking abortion is an option, you don't have the mind of God. You need to renew your mind. If you're a follower of Jesus, I don't know how Christians can stand on the sidelines and just dismiss this. The Apostle Paul, when he was saw said he collected the coats. Scriptures say when Stephen was condemned by the, for preaching Jesus, they stoned him. He didn't throw the stone. He just held the coats. 
And we may not be paying for it. Well, you might. Your taxes might if this gets passed. But we might not be paying for it. We might not be present for it. But you might just be holding the coats by being silent like Saul was when Stephen was being stoned by everybody else. And we're... And, it, and as followers of Jesus, I, I find it really hard as I, I prayed about this church. I prayed about the strength of this message, the tone of it. Like, and, and I just don't understand how as a follower of Jesus who believes the Bible, I know there are some people who claim to be followers of Jesus and dismiss the Bible. So I get that. You're, that's her, heresy. But I don't understand how... We can do this because God says this has never entered his mind. Leviticus 18. It's a command from the Lord. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Moloch. For you must not profane the name of the, your God. I am the Lord. Listen. We don't call it Moloch anymore. This was a, a, a demonic god to the pagan cultures around Israel. And Israel is starting to embrace their... And you think, well, we're not sacrificing babies. Yes, we are. We call it a different name, pro-choice, but it's the same demon. It is demonic. A church, listen to me. And I get, listen, I know some of you in the room, you're hating what I'm saying. You're offended by it. I'm just trying to be straight. I do not want to go to heaven and say, why didn't you say anything? During World War II, when Nazi Germany was putting Jewish people in train cars, there was a church in Germany that that was near the train tracks. And on Sunday, they would hear the screams and the cries of the Jews being, and as it was rolling, and the pastor would say, sing louder, because they couldn't stand the screams of these people. We can't hear the baby scream. But we cannot be a church that doesn't show up, do its part, and understand this is demonic. This is demonic. And if you think abortion is an option, you are thinking demonically. I know that's strong, but it is true. According to God's word, if you are a follower of Jesus and you somehow have concluded, well, you know, science is just a fetus and you can't survive and, and it's not conscious yet, wrong. We are sacrificing our children to Moloch and the name of Moloch today is pro-choice. I can tell you how many Christians have, will vote for Proposal 3. None. Because if you do, you are in line with demonic thinking and you need to repent. Say, God, forgive me. God determines who lives and dies. Not us. Not science. Not government.
This is a biblical issue, not a political issue. It just happens to have political implications because we are sacrificing our children to the God of Moloch under the name of pro-choice and reproductive rights. Wrong. These are children. These, they have heartbeats. They have DNA. They have the finger, they're being knit together by God. The Spirit of God is being placed in them in the womb. Are you hearing this, church? This is a big deal. Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. I believe she, memory surgeon, right, founded it in the 1920s. She has written several publications. Of course, they want to bury it today under, uh, you know, even Snope quotes her because Planned Parenthood can't get away from her history. They just try to reword it recolor it to make it sound like she was active with KKK. You can read about it in her own books, The Pivot of Civilization. She oversaw what they call the Negro Project, which wanted to exterminate the African-American. And it's interesting to me how Planned Parenthood is making this a racial issue today. Well, yeah, because you're living up to the legacy of your founder who wanted to eradicate black people. If I was a black person, I would not want to come anywhere near something that has the history of KKK. Also, she was sympathetic to the Nazis' eugenic programs, which essentially says white people are, are, the, are you know, the more smarter class or if, if you have some type of issue in your body or you're deformed or you maybe doesn't have the IQ of other people, somehow... There is a legitimate reason to eradicate you or to euthanize you or to sterilize you. This was Margaret Sanger's vision. And I just want to say her vision's coming to pass. Help me understand. We talk about social issues like racial social issues or systemic racism. Yeah, there's systemic racism. Help me understand why there's a Planned Parenthood always near black communities. Tell me that. Why is it always in poor areas? Because of Margaret Sanger's vision. Of course, they would say today, no, that's not what it is. Let me just read you a quote from her. I'm, I'm mad at her, if you can tell. Her strategy through the Negro Project was to employ African-American doctors to manipulate black women to kill their babies. Um, to pay off church leaders, literally, these, these are her words, we do not want word to get out that what we want to exterminate, the Negro population, Margaret Sanger. Don't anyone ever let you think, I don't believe it. And I've had people say, well, you know, they really, they actually do help others who don't want, no, they make their money off abortion. And they may give you, I want places like Center for Women who love women, who, who actually, they'll, they'll talk about abortion is an option if it's legal, but they want you to see that heartbeat. They, 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 they care for you. I'll never believe Planned Parenthood is a good thing. Never. And I've had people in our own church share, it's like, no, you, you, like, no I'm not, you are. This is demonic. We are killing babies in the womb. Well, the reason why we need to legalize it is because, you know, they're going to do it anyway. 
I don't care. It's murder. It needs to be illegal. I don't want a sterile murder chamber. Whew. Here's a quote from Margaret Sanger. Birth control is not a contraception indiscriminately and thoughtlessly practiced. It means the release and cultivation of a better racial elements in our society. What do you think she's saying? Well, she's overseeing the Negro project. Come in here and talk to me about social justice issues. If the life isn't valued first, then social justice issues, in my mind, isn't a topic yet. You have women's rights. We talk about that. Yeah, you're killing half of them through an abortion. Sorry. I am passionate about this. We'll move on something nice next week. <laughs> Luke 18. People were also bringing babies to Jesus. Luke was a physician, the writer of the book of Luke. He was a doctor. And we can think like, well, they didn't have the, sci they didn't have the science, but they weren't idiots 2,000 years ago. They were doing, performing surgeries. They knew the autonomy of the human body. Like he was a, Luke was a very wise man. But the Greek word he uses for baby is the same Greek word he uses for infants, uh, for small children and children in the womb. In ancient times for believers, they didn't separate it like a fetus and now you're a newborn. Like it was, and the Greek word here is all three for a newborn and the, uh, an infant in the womb or a small child. People were bringing babies to Jesus to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So let me tell you, Jesus entered humanity through a womb. He didn't have to. And all of the reasons we advocate for abortion today is the would have made Mary a candidate. She was poor. She was young. She was 14 years old when she had Jesus, 15, somewhere around there. She wasn't married, which in ancient times was just radical. Our Savior came through a womb. Last thought is this. Jesus takes seriously how we treat children. Malachi tells us, if we don't get it right with our children, the land is cursed. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He is loving, but he is not weak. I can't see how any Christian can put their stamp of approval behind Proposal 3 or abortion at all.
church is your pastor. I've never asked you how to vote. I've never told you who to vote for. We've had passionate conversations. We've been, some of us, we, we've talked about different issues and we've walked away still hugging. I'm asking you, please vote no on proposal three. It is radical. It will be one of the most extreme abortion allowed, not only in the nation, but I've heard some say even in the world. Three things, vote no on, no, on November 8th, on proposal three. You make your other choices on one and two. This ain't, to me, ain't worth talking about, but this is. Two, pray the outcome of the elections would be one that protects life. Pray over this. Just so you know, last Thursday, we prayed over this. This Thursday, next Thursday, the, follow, the next three Thursdays, we are praying over this issue. First, Next week, we're going to be praying for people impacted by abortion. Every woman who's had this, like the scars of it, the trauma of it, we want to pray for them. That's week one. Week two, we're going to pray for the church that it needs to freaking wake up. It needs to wake up. We need to be men and women who, who will refuse to be defiled by the lies of our culture. Week two. Week three, we're going to pray for the outcome of our election. Join us this Thursday at 7 and let's seek God. Because if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I would come. The healing of our land is going to come on the cuffs of our prayers. Not our political views. So pray with us. Because Kentucky, California, Vermont, Michigan, Montana, and Kansas are all right now facing this same thing. Three. I want you to use your influence to encourage your relatives, your friends. Do not be afraid to talk about this. Your co-workers to vote no. I wouldn't even make the conversation about coming to your side of the issue that you, that you want them to be pro-life. No, even if you're pro-choice, this doesn't make sense. Even if you're pro-choice, even a pro-choice person would want to know about their child's sexuality. They would want to know about what they're doing. You do not want your 14-year-old daughter making a decision because some counselor in the office who won't have any laws to tell you use your influence because this is a big deal so please do that encourage everyone use your social media platform don't be afraid of the judgment let's rise up unless we defend the right to life none of the other rights matter women's rights we're killing half of them through abortion black lives 50% of abortions are black babies and I think Margaret Sanger's legacy is happening. And we're celebrating it. God forgive us. Say this. I know the weight of this message. If you've had an abortion, you're feeling it. I want you to say, this is not to shame you. You can see your child again in heaven. 
I have empathy for you because you've just been lied to by our culture. It's not your fault. God's not mad at you. It is a deceiving spirit behind the minds of our nation. God is not mad at you. He forgives you. If you want that forgiveness, he forgives you. Every man in the room that you paid for an abortion or you manipulated a woman because somehow it was going to impact your life and you're hearing this and you're feeling the weight of that, I want to release you from that shame. Go to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. And let God redeem your story by telling a different way now. Quickly. Thank you for your courage. Let's stand. Father, I pray you forgive us. Father, I pray for every woman expecting right now, every woman wrestling. If, if abortion is an option, that they would hear there's other ways. That we will help. That we, we will take in your child. I'll take him. And Father, I thank you for every woman that has said yes to keeping their child. And every woman who, Father, has gone through the trauma of abortion. I pray heal them this morning that they would feel how deeply loved they are. They would want a connection with their child. Their, their child's with you right now. They couldn't be in a better place, actually. Even the trauma of it, what she's feeling now, I pray she would know that her child couldn't even be in a better place than with you. So I pray, stir hope in her heart. Forgive us, Father, for advocating this abortion for paying for it for getting behind of a demonic legacy that had in her mind to eradicate a race and I pray Father for a miracle that Michigan and the other states would say no that we would rise up and say no to this young woman's encouragement to us that we would not see children as, a, as part of our bodies but 
they are their own person. They are their own destiny, their own DNA. They're marked by you. So, Father, that I pray we leave celebrating life. And we thank you for these words. We thank you for your scriptures that tell us to value human life. When science or doctors or politicians have lied to us that this is about a woman's right or a reproductive right. Father, thank you for giving us a word that course corrects our actions and hearts. We say yes to the word of God, that it is alive. I pray we feel the weight of it, but we also leave with the joy of it as we stand advocating for the unborn, for the children in the womb. Father, we pray for them, Lord, and we ask, Lord, for a, a continuation, Father, of a healing over our land. Heal every heart, every woman, every man that's impacted by this message, positive or negative. Father, if we even view it as an option, forgive us. I pray we repent. We renew our mind because this is not in your mind. I pray we renew our mind. So, Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.